Welcome to the Authentic Dentist Podcast. Join Dr. Allison House of House Dental in Scottsdale and Sean Zayas, founder of Zana, a company helping dentists extend their care beyond the chair as they lead dentists deeper along the journey of authenticity to reach greater fulfillment in their professional lives and to deliver remarkable patient experiences. At the core of the authentic dentist is a belief that the answer to the current challenges in dentistry is dentists discovering that their greatest asset and point of differentiation is their personal brand and that forming that brand out of their authentic selves is the best strategy for success in dentistry today. Hey guys, this is Sean Zayas and Dr. Allison House with the Authentic Dentist Podcast coming to you again with a video podcast, which is, uh, which is fun for us. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about high performance because Dr. House has lots of visitors at her house. She hosts people and uh, a lot of those people end up being friends with her kids. You know, they're, they're great, gifted, talented individuals. But this guest was a, a special guest and um, one that we're going to talk about because of high performance. Here we go. So what happened? What happened, Allison? Well, in, in case other people didn't know or they haven't heard the podcast, I have a, a weightlifting gym in my garage. I have a three-car garage. There's never been a car in it. <laughs> and it's filled with platforms and uh, Olympic weightlifting equipment. My dad was an Olympic weightlifting coach and an international coach, and he passed that information on to us. And so we have a gym full of kids almost every day. So it's it's part of the culture. It's it just part of a culture. Part of, of the way that you've, I mean, and you've been in this location for what? Uh, we lived in our house 20 years. Uh, we built the gym out maybe 2012. Yeah, so it's been there a long time. Okay. And it's not weird to have it filled with people that are, doing Olympic-style lifts? That's correct. Yeah, we have um, several young people that have gone through the coaching, so they help coach other kids. And it's really, I won't say that we have any Olympic athletes, although we've had some very talented athletes in the gym. But most of them are just kids that need an outlet. Um, they need to learn about discipline. And, and they're doing great. All these kids are really great people. But then something's different because the last, I don't know what it is. So for 10 days... It wasn't just an ordinary lifter. Right. So Mark and I have an open door policy with lots of kids through the house. But um, Mark serves on the um, Olympic Weightlifting Federation as a uh, legal consultant. And so he met this um, one of the Olympians. And her name is Sarah Davis. And she's from the United Kingdom. And she's an Olympic athlete. She competed in Tokyo. She competed in the Commonwealth Games. We went to see her last summer in June. And she'll be competing in Paris. So she came and stayed with us for 10 days. And just watching her life and the way she lives it was fascinating to me. And that's, I guess, why we're talking about what's ordinary at your house. It's because you're used to people staying with you. You guys accommodate people. You're used to seeing lots of groups of people in the gym. You're around weightlifters kind of all the time. Like your dad was incredibly known in that space. And yet something about Sarah being with you guys for 10 days, you just noticed there's a lot of things that was just different. So, so name something that stood out to you kind of right away. Uh, she sleeps 10 hours a day. Like not negotiable, not negotiable. In order to grow, you must sleep, which I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, she did not eat like what I thought she would eat. Like I thought she would portion everything out. 
Um, she weighs 69 kilos, which is about 152 pounds. She's about my size. Well, actually, she's a little shorter than I am. So, I mean, she's not a big person, not a little person, but she ate everything and then a little bit more. <laughs> like, calories were not an issue for her at all. She needed enough calories. Okay, so wait, let's go back to the sleep thing. So, on the sleep, was it on... It wasn't like, okay, well, I'm going to sleep at 11, so I can't wake up till till 9. It was probably she enforced the bedtime pretty strictly or no? Uh, she was out visiting with us, but, I mean, I'm kind of a early-to-bed, early-to-rise person. But, yeah, she sleeps 10 hours a day. No matter what time she goes to bed, she's, she sleeps because she has to. That's part of the, the rigorous training. That's part, of, that's part of her life. Wow. But the, she doesn't come across like, you know, anal about it when it comes to, like, the bedtime. It wasn't like that was something that was, like, really clear. No, but remember that um, she's from the U.K., so there's a, a time issue. Gotcha. So she was willing to stay up and sleep whenever. Okay. So 10 hours was a must. Um, lots of calories. Lots of calories. Um, she was real strict about protein, how much protein she had. But otherwise, we had Mexican food. We had pasta. We had – didn't matter. She needed calories. So she was also so confident about her physique – and I think very few people you see anymore, even beautiful people, are confident about their physique. But she was just like, this is my body. It works for me. And I don't know. I just, I, I was impressed by that confidence. And it probably just, like, exuded. Like, meaning it's probably hard to describe because it wasn't probably just verbal. It was just the way that she carried herself. Just the way she carried herself. And she was so kind and gracious. So we have all these young people that are not Olympic athletes. And she was happy to coach them. And just so it overlapped while she was there. You still had your, your of course, of course, we still have our gym kids. So she came out and coached and she's an amazing coach, but she just, yeah, she was just really gracious. She wasn't like, oh my gosh, you know, you're lifting nothing. She, she was wonderful. So I'm curious, did she know of your dad? Um, no, they didn't overlap. My dad, I mean, my dad was 83 when he passed. So that generation is pretty much retired at this point. And he was more well-known, what, maybe in, like, collegiate circles? Oh, no. He was internationally known, but okay. that was the 80s and 90s. That's okay. a long time ago. She was born in 92. I mean, <laughs> it was a long time ago. So did you give her an education? Um, we talked a little bit about the past of, of weightlifting, but it's... Well, I'm guessing there's pictures. Oh, right? yeah, like there's a, pictures. Right? Yeah. And um, there is some overlap. You know, when I was a kid, my dad hosted all these people that came to our house. And so I watched that high performance. Um, I can remember international people coming and staying with us for several days and looking at my dad's high, high performance training center at NAU. And yeah, it's, I guess we're following in his footsteps. So what you're trying to say though, is that at your prime, you think you could have beat Sarah? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Are you kidding? No, no, no. <laughs> but there was, there were some other things that I thought was interesting just about this next generation. Um, there were no women in the Olympics when I was training. And so that wasn't even an option. You know, you were, if you Olympic lifted, you were doing it for something else because you played volleyball or something else. And so none of the athletes in my generation were near as talented. None of the female athletes were near as talented. But uh, we just, like, we wouldn't dare to lift the kind of weight she would lift. I mean, it wouldn't even occur to me that I could. And yet she was like, of course I can do this. So I, I love that confidence of, of course I can do this. I mean, it's never been done, and I'm going to do it. Like, give me a reference of, like, where, what we're talking about. So what would be, is she um, doing a power squat? Is she doing a clean and jerk? Um, so she clean and jerked 132 kilos. 
at her last um, competition, which I believe was the Commonwealth Games, and that's about 292 pounds. So she, yeah, 292 pounds. She lifted over her head. Locked out. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I topped out at 80 kilos, <laughs> which, I mean, was a lot. I was very proud of myself. <laughs> okay, for squatting, what's your top? I mean, probably 80 kilos. Because I'm just saying, like, to think that just on your back, squatting something, that this person can do more jerking it, it like, act, like that's insane. It is insane. It is insane. I mean, even for a male athlete to do that kind of weight is virtually, I mean, you have to have a certain natural ability. You have to have a certain physique just to do that. But then the discipline that it takes to just work at it every day, it's incredible. And that was one of the things I thought was so interesting is that discipline and that not fearing something I never been done before. Can I really do it? I always seem to put those limitations on myself of what's never been done before. So I can't do it. And she's like, well, why not (laughs) just go out and do it? So you would describe that what just as a empowering confidence, like this outlook of like, why not? Of course, like, I don't, cause there must be a lot of like really self-assured. It's really self-assured, but also just this grace, you know, she drops the weight. She's like, well, we'll do that again. I mean, she wasn't hard on herself. There was no bashing herself. It was like, okay, well, not today. And, and I love that. It was just this vision that I can do whatever I want. And if it doesn't happen today, eh, okay, tomorrow. So did you find anything out just in talking to her about her journey or her upbringing or like, like why her? Like, when did she know, oh, I'm a candidate for the Olympics. Like, I have uncommon strength. <laughs> like, I'm one of those people. She was a gymnast as a child, and she didn't make the Olympic team as a child gymnast, which is a whole other weird thing for me to think about, that you would have that level of competition as a child. So because she developed early, so she didn't make the Olympic team at 12. Okay, so she trained and went to normal school, and then she found out she was good at weightlifting. And a lot of gymnasts are good at weightlifting because it has... Core strength. Yeah, exactly. And so she started lifting, and then boom, she just discovered that she was really, really talented. But to be an Olympic athlete is more than just physical. Like, you can't just be physically. You have to have this mental drive. You have to have this ability to take on something that, yeah, most of us would never even dream of doing. The first time I pulled something, I was like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> I'm lifting that again. And she's like, yeah, I need to strengthen that up again. It was, it was just this quiet confidence. And it wasn't arrogance in any way. Because like I said, she was gracious and kind to all the lifters. She was coaching. She was kind to us. I mean, she was just a lovely person. Now, there's a chance you guys didn't talk about this while she was staying. But did she have any uh, opinions on like some of the modern movements whether it was crossfit or of course okay like (laughs) so again i've been in weightlifting my entire life Mm -hmm. and so my dad coached um mike bergner and mike bergner is one of the founders of crossfit so yeah we know a lot about crossfit (laughs) and yeah she said she started in a crossfit gym it's a it's a great it's a great thing um the problem with crossfit is that you don't get the level of coaching in weightlifting you know, there's a lot of other pieces to cr- CrossFit. And so you can get injured if you don't do things correctly. When I think that's kind of what I've seen is like there's this empowerment of like, oh, you can do it. You can do these crazy things without the correct technique and training as a really critical foundation. And then next thing you know, you have very strong people 
that maybe on, you know, three weeks after they got trained on rep number seven, their form's off and all of a sudden they blow something because it's like the margins are really thin. (laughs) Form is everything. You cannot lift heavy weight unless you have good form. It's one of the fundamentals in our gym. You, you're not allowed to lift heavy weight. And a lot of the young men have a hard time with that because they want to come in and, especially these football players, they want to come in and lift a heavy weight. You can't. I need your form to be excellent before I can start loading up that bar. So it's fascinating that you're describing her as someone that is strong, confident, but also like tempered with grace. Like, I don't think those are, I don't know, they, they don't have to go together. And the fact that they do with her, it just seems like she probably was just this delightful person to be around. She was, and, and we really enjoyed her. And I loved, I loved to listen to her, just her thought process on Paris, how she was going to get there, um, her plan. I, I, she had this vision that, you know, I would love to implement my life. What does my life look like in a year? I mean, I sort of know, but I don't have that kind of vision and planning, and this is how many times I'm going to lift before Paris. I mean, just that level of dedication was, was incredible to see. So she already has it very clear. It's very clear, her plan. Now, she hasn't qualified for Paris, but she will. I mean. So when does that happen? Does she know, like, it, six months before Paris, will she know? Like, meaning? I believe it's six months. There's, there's competitions you have to do in order to qualify, and then there's a, the final qualifying one. But. Yeah, she's going to be competing in Paris. We're planning to go. Did she talk about her experience in Tokyo? She did. Because I'm just thinking, like, something about the Olympics. Like, we're not talking about there's three, four competitions a year. We're talking about once every four years. Yes, but there are a lot of competitions in between. But but I'm just saying they don't, they're not at the level of the Olympics. So I'm just saying when all of a sudden you're used to those types of competitions, like, like, you know, for rock climbing and following people, and it's like, yeah, there are these national competitions, again, like almost like three, four times a year that I'm seeing, even in track. But the fact that it's once every four years is this Olympic gold that you're that you're trying to chase. Like you might only have a chance at your prime to go to one of those. And like, I just wonder from her perspective, did she say that it just felt different than any other normal competition? Oh, yeah, it was incredible. And you and I have talked a little bit about this. I mean, if you go to the Olympics... She had the winning weight on the bar. She was the last person to lift, and she missed the lift, and so she didn't medal, which is devastating, but at the same time, I can't help but think, yeah, but you were on the stage in Tokyo. <laughs> That's incredible. Just to, to actually to have gotten there, maybe winning wasn't everything. But I'm just thinking, like, to have the opportunity to have won the event because of I, I'm just thinking like it, it almost sounds like the Super Bowl like coming down to you had the play you got it off and it was just one completion or one play you need to execute on and the defense did a better like you just you know what I mean you can't will it to happen you can't will it to happen I mean she is amazing all this preparation and yet the reality is that it's a day and some days you're off. So you go in, you do your best, and maybe and that day somebody else was better. Not necessarily all the time, but it's that one moment where you have to perform. And, yeah, that wasn't her day. It just works that way. So where did you feel challenged by her, and where did you feel inspired? So she's she's been through something pretty terrible last year where um, 
she was sanctioned for making a comment to another athlete. And the, the comment was racially charged. So she, she didn't defend herself in any way. And when we talked about it, she was devastated by the whole thing. But she wasn't devastated by herself, which I found interesting. She was devastated by the other person and how the other person felt. And so she didn't feel like she could say anything because she felt, she felt terrible that this person felt marginalized mm. when it was just, she thought it was just locker room banter. And yeah, I, it was that level of grace, that level of caring about other people. I don't think we see that too often. I, I was impressed by that. I was impressed by um, her competition. You know, sometimes the competition is lifting in the same gym as you. And there's this camaraderie of, you know, we're all going to be great together. And when you get to Tokyo, it's all about you. But before that, you know, you're a team. We're they're the UK. We're going to work together and be the best we can possibly be. And, and I love that about her, that grace of I'm going to share all the information I have. And at the end of the day, I'm still going to be my best self. And cards will fall where they may. I think that's amazing. Literally, just yesterday, I was thinking about how I love that idea of like we're all stronger together. Um, and I really think like one of the probably the clearest takes on humility, because I've always wrestled like I want to be humble and stay humble. Um, and I realized like it's an identifying that I need everyone else to be at their best in order for, I don't know, like even whatever my part's going to be, it, it's easier for my part to play my role when everyone else is also playing their role. And that, that really is like an abundance mindset. Um, but to hear it from someone that actually is in a role where there is competition. Like at the end of the day, there's not competition in dentistry in that same exact way where there's going to be one winner and everyone else loses or everyone else gets second or, or does can't get the gold. But in an actual event where there is one person that can take home the gold, the fact that still they have that idea of we advance weightlifting together, we get stronger together. And then, yeah, when it's competition, it's every man for himself that day. That day, but that's it. Yeah, it was interesting. So you said something important. You said humble. She was not humble. And that is a hard thing that I struggle with. What, what is humble? What is conceited? What is arrogant? And what is just, this is who I am. And she just exuded, this is who I am. This is what I do. And it just is. It wasn't, it wasn't a brag. It wasn't a, this is just who I am. And I love that. I'm like, oh, I need to be like that. <laughs> Well, it wasn't false humility. Was it? No. She's an Olympic athlete. I mean, she could walk that around with that, you know, that on her back if she wants to. But she didn't. She was just like, okay, this is who I am. And when somebody commented on her legs, she'd be like, yes, I'm an Olympic athlete. Oh, because <laughs> she has big legs. Oh, my gosh. Like like tree trunks. Like the she's very muscular. And, yeah, she's very feminine. She's a very pretty girl. She was, uh, yeah, she's just very confident. And and I liked that about her. Wasn't humble. Wasn't conceited. There's There's a middle ground and. I think we all strive for that. Well, that's the thing, though. So from, like, a, a spiritual side, I heard someone say, like, humility is just, like, owning who you are. Like, almost like what God has, says about you or how he's created you. Nothing more, nothing less. So if you go less than, like, who you're supposed to be, it's it's also not true humility because you're downplaying. And if you go more, like, so it's just that this is who I am. This is the gifts that I have. These are the strengths that I have. And I am just going to shine in that. In that. And there are other gifts that she doesn't have. And she's very open to say that's true too. But this is this is her gift. She's good at it. 
and she wants to share it with the world, and I, I love that about her. Yeah, so the, it, was, it was a wonderful 10 days to spend with her. The biggest takeaway, I think, is, is the gift. You know, she has a gift, she uses the discipline, and she's going to benefit from it. And I watch these kids in the gym who are intellectually gifted, and I, I can see them when they get that discipline, when they mature into the Sarah. Oh, my gosh, what they could take on is just, it's going to be fun to watch. Thank you for listening to the Authentic Dentist Podcast. To join Allison and Sean on this journey, hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Here's to your success. Express yourself fully. Live authentic. Thank you.